It was a lot of fun. Uh, Healthy and effective communication, my friends, is complicated. Uh, We don't always know what to say. We don't always say it the right way. We say things the wrong way quite often. Or we say the right thing probably in the wrong way. You do that a lot when you have toddlers, right? Uh, You say the right thing. You just kind of say it with maybe a little too much emotion for a three-year-old. Or you say the right thing at the wrong time. We do a lot of that when it comes to teenagers, right? Or we, we say something in our marriage or relationship and they hear something else. Or we say something and they hear what they want to hear. And that happens in the church all the time and community and politics and in the world, doesn't it? Words are powerful. We know that. We've talked about that before. We've all been hurt by words. We've been, had words spoken to us. We've had words spoken about us. We've had words spoken over us. And words can be used for good, though. They motivate us. They inspire us. They, they, they make us feel validated, right, in the midst of people or, or God. Now, words can also be the root of a demise. They can, they can tear us down. They can uh, invalidate us, and, and even in the presence of God, it seems like, right? And, and they can cause emotional distress or disturbance or uh, distraction in our life. Communication and words is not just about what you say. It's also about what's heard when you say it. Let me say that again. You know, communication and words is not about what we say, but it's actually about what's heard when we say those words. We're going to spend four weeks and explore something that I think has the potential to revolutionize our communication, revolutionize our relationships, no matter what age we are. A lot of people say, hey, you know, you're speaking to me, or you're speaking, not speaking to teenagers, or your children. It doesn't matter what age you are, you're always going to deal with communication, you're always going to deal with temperament, you're always going to deal with words. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? We want something that will actually help us be better at that. And I pray for us that at the end of these four weeks, we have gained some sort of understanding and some sort of tools in which we can lead others better and love others better. Okay, that's the the end goal, that we lead others better and we love others better. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me read it again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The Apostle Paul in Scripture is challenging us to think differently about our words and how we use those words. They should not just 
convey our feelings or our wants and desires. They should what? Build up, he says, right? Build. They should benefit. It seems very obvious when we talk about that. It seems easy. It seems common. But it's not really all that common. And Paul points out two things in which our words sort of go wrong. And they can be unwholesome and they can be unhelpful. And we have seen it. We have said it. We understand it. We've experienced it, haven't we? Let me show you this picture. It's an old-fashioned scale, okay? Depends on how, what age you are, if you even know what that is, right? Jamie and I were at Round Top yesterday. We were walking around. I saw this in one of the furniture places, decor places that we were walking around. Well, I grew up with one of these in my house. My parents always had an old-fashioned scale, and they had some things on it. And the scale, of course, you can, like, put weights on one side, and then you know, actually, it, it, you know, it's like one pound or two pounds. And so you can see if things weigh the same. It's, you know, an old-fashioned scale. Now, when you think about things in ratio and scale, the average relationship has this ratio of six to one, okay? Research says six to one, six times more criticism and complaints versus one compliment or encouraging comment. Six to one. And maybe that's why there are so many work environments that are toxic. Possibly that's why our marriages are in trouble at times, our kids experience in today's world so much more anxiety and insecurity at a younger age because it's the way that we communicate this ratio of six to one. I mean, what kind of culture have we built? What kind of culture are we building for in our marriages and how are we modeling for the next generation of people, right? So what can we do? Well, we need to know ourselves, but we also need to know people. And we need to know what builds them up. We need to know what, how, to, how does she hear things? How does he hear things? Um, what, what, when I'm saying something, how do they take it? So that's why we're going to spend time in the I Said This, You Heard That series. And this is actually a temperament assessment. And you can go online and you can take it, you can buy it, and, and there's 40 questions and it kind of gets, brings back your, your, your top two temperaments, for sure your top one. But the study talks about temperaments, and temperament determines the words that you speak, but temperament also determines how you hear the words you speak. And so you need to know what color you are. You need to know what color your spouses or your children are or people around you. And I know there's tons of assessments out there. There's personality and strength assessments, things like that. But this has to do with our words and how we take them, and it's so vitally important. And so most, uh, most important to our relationships that mean the most to us, right? Whether it's our kids or our parents or siblings or teams that we lead or we support, and, and they deserve better with our words. They deserve better communication. And, and we are often, I am often lazy with my words. Aren't you at times we're lazy with our words? And so God wants so much more for you. God wants so much more for me and so much more for those in which we communicate with and we love. So your to-do for this week, if you're interested in this, is to go online and find the, you know, I said this, you heard that assessment and take it, because you might want to know your color as we move through this series. 
Also, uh, we are going to actually offer this study in our third session of small group studies, and that will happen after Easter. And so we'll be promoting that, and you can join one of those small group studies and actually go further into this stuff. Now, this week, I'm going to veer off a little bit from that series, but I'm going to actually bring maybe an example in from the standpoint of the church finds itself in a, a new era. All churches do. John Wesley and, and then all churches do. And, and I want to share my heart. I want to share words with you, thoughts with you to better communicate with you. And also use words that I pray will build you up, lift you up, inspire you, and inform you so that you feel like, hey, we're all heading the same direction. I can get around that. I can, I can be involved with that. Now, we are called to, as a church, to fulfill a purpose, a mission. And our mission is to connect people to Jesus. This tennis ball, uh, you might have seen this illustration before, but this tennis ball, just imagine a little person on this one side has a rope or a, a chains coming out of this ball, and, and that little person is pulling it, right? And then just imagine there's another chain or rope and another little person on this side, and that person's pulling that rope or that chain. And, and then imagine that there's people, all other chains and ropes are, are coming out in different directions, and there's, there's people on all sides, and they're all pulling and creating force on all sides of this tennis ball. Now, what direction would this ball go in? It wouldn't even move. It would go nowhere, right? And so, people are pulling from all different directions, and what's going to happen to the ball is it's actually going to shake, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be stressed, and ultimately, it might even come apart and break. There's going to be a lot of motion, there's going to be a lot of energy spent, but there's going to be no movement. And now, what if you, you got all those little people, and they came over to one side, and, and they began to pull, what would happen? You would actually have energy all going in the same direction, and we don't just have activity, but you have energy being spent, and we have movement, right? And then movement is happening. The reality of all churches, and in our church at times, is that we tend to be pulling in, in our own directions, right? And there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of energy, People are getting tired, and yeah, there's, there's, it's, you know, there's activity going on, but the staff and the volunteers, and, and people are getting tired. There's no movement. Now, getting everyone on the same page or the same side um, doesn't just create movement. It actually creates forward progress, and movement is not the same as progress. See, motion doesn't mean that you're being effective. Just because you're shaking and you got a lot of motion doesn't, uh, emotion doesn't mean that you're being effective. As the lead pastor here at John Wesley, I want our church to move forward, not just do things in which it creates so much energy and we spend resources and energy and we don't go anywhere. So how can we move from all different sides to one side? Well, that usually happens when we align ourselves and focus ourselves on fulfilling the very purpose and mission of the church, and that's connecting people to Jesus. Now, 
That's an outward mission. That's an outward purpose. That um, It's not inward. And so that would be like what Paul was saying with our words. Our words need to benefit those outside on the other side of ourselves, right? It's not just about us. It's like that needs to be wholesome for them. That needs to benefit them. And um, it's, it's not always for our benefit, for their benefit. And so that's a, that's a struggle. I understand that. But this, ultimately, when we do that and we all get on the same side and we got this forward progress, it glorifies God and ultimately it gives us another, a purpose for another 50 years of ministry at John Wesley. Now, we can talk about our purpose this way, a mission, and sort of say to be an irresistible church that unapologetically connects you, your next-door neighbor, and the next generation to Jesus. And so you, you look at that, and you hear that, and you go, hey, I can get around that, right? How do I connect people to Jesus? Well, I'm going to go talk to my neighbor. I'm going to go talk to my new neighbor. I'm going to go talk to that family member that's just not coming to church, not connected with any church. I mean, it's, you start there, right? Start with your next-door neighbor. Start with yourself, and ultimately move throughout the generations. Now, personal confession. As a preacher, Pastor Cheryl and I have other things that we're supposed to do and we're called to as a pastor. But as a preacher, especially the lead pastor here, one of my jobs is to communicate. One of our jobs as preachers is we're in the communication business. Now, I'm not the best communicator. I'm not the best preacher. I don't preach in all the different ways that everybody wants. I mean, you just can't do that. Uh, not, no, no pastor actually does that, okay? Even if they're super-duper popular. There's a lot of people that don't like their style or whatever. And so, uh, communication is compliment, uh, complicated, like I said. It, it's like we don't always know what to say. We don't always say it in the right way. Um, we don't know how to reach people with all different type of agendas. I mean, it's, it's quite of a process, right? Even though we're in the communication business. And, and we say the wrong thing sometimes. Or we say the right thing at the wrong times. Or we say it in the wrong way. Or we say something and, and people hear something else. Or we just say something and then they hear what they want to hear, right? I mean, that happens all the time. And as a man of faith, I must confess that I struggle at times communicating things when they're not 100% certain. Now, I have the spiritual gift of faith, and so I believe God's going to be there. God's in the midst of the uncertainty. But it's hard when a particular thing is not 100% certain and it's going to last us forever because that's, to me, an integrity issue. And in the COVID era, it's actually... It's a test for us. It's a test for me in the life of John Wesley and any church, really. But uncertainty reigns. And there are many, many ways that you plan one thing. We've planned it. And then the next week it had to change. Or the next month it had to change. And sometimes, I mean, I love progress. I love change. But I also love consistency. It makes work of the Lord a whole lot easier sometimes. But that's not always our plight. I love consistency because it often fosters unity, but it's, it's just not always there. And planning in the midst of the unknown is challenging, it's taxing, it's, it's a part of really the test we have as a church. And so 
We have these uh, problems that arise when it's hard to communicate fully. We have miscommunication that arises. We have doubts that arise. We have a lack of focus. We got people pulling in all sorts of different directions and not in the same direction. So that slows things down or it stresses the organization or it stresses the church. And so you get all these questions that come out of that. You know, questions like, uh, when, when will Sunday mornings be the same again? You know, or, or what, when will classes be begin again on Sunday morning? What will, what are we going to do? When will we have a choir again? And, and what time will our worship services be? Or, you know, uh, what exactly are we headed in? You know, what direction are we heading? What's Marty doing? What's he thinking? Uh, or what are they thinking when, when it comes to that topic or that subject? What are, what are we going to do this week that we didn't do last week? Or, you know, what's going to be the same next week? I mean, there's just great questions, right? I mean, are we going to get another pastor, right? Are we going to have another pastor join our staff? We just lost one. And, you know, are we going to have a third pastor? All these, again, are great questions. And I want to communicate some of those answers to you today. And I want to give you the opportunity to then take those answers or the communication you hear and go and share it with other people as well. And so we might go a little long today, but I'm going to try to sort of be concise with some things. And I think that you'll be blessed if you just spend a little time and, and hear this and listen to this. But John Wesley, UMC, should be very proud. We have great leaders in our church, people that are your you've elected to be leaders, that you have nominated to run teams, and, and that have bubbled up and, and said, hey, I'm going to take this portion of ministry, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with it. And we have great leaders that care about you, and they care about the church, and they're willing to sacrifice their time and their energies and, and everything. And we've had monthly meetings. We've discussed all sorts of things and affairs of the church, finances, ministry, future ministry, all sorts of things. And, and if you didn't get a chance to read the 2020 year in the rearview mirror, I would highly recommend you go to the front page of our website and click on the button and read it because there are some great stories of what we accomplished in 2020. Now, I love to compete, but I don't want to always compete over resources and time and energy. I want the church to be focused, right? Now, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, it says this, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Okay? And I would love to plan for like a year out, but I don't know if we can do that. They say you plan for like three months to six months. So I'm just saying, hey, we're going to go to like spring and summer, and this is going to, you're going to see some of this, and, and I hope that we, we understand our Sunday schedule and some classes and, and what's going on, and, and uh, that, that's probably as far as we can kind of get out. And if we need to, the Holy Spirit tells us to change, we're going to have to do some different things. Now, all of this is grounded in our core values, and it's so important for all members to understand these core values, and they're actually on the wall out there in the Welcome Center. And I'm going to just review them. God is big enough to shape and transform our, our life story, okay? We believe that connect people to God, and ultimately something happens, right? He changes them. The church is a community where people do life connected. It's not alone. It's together. Worship is an encounter with the living God, not a dead God, not old God, but a living God, and He's calling us to new things a lot of times. Unity comes through prayer and the truth of the gospel. And we're not going to be unified around some 
party's thoughts or a denomination's just thoughts or what it's going to be around the truth of the gospel okay and the task is being discipled and making disciples activated and equipped disciples of Jesus are world changers you have to be activated and you have to be equipped and if you're neither of those you're going to ch- change very little around you in the name of God and then the last thing sacrificial generosity is personal And so you have to be sacrificial in your generosity, whether that comes to your money, your time, your efforts, your skills, your gifts, whatever. So Sunday worship is going to look the same as it does now, in-person option, online option, and the drive-in at 11.15 option. And you know, as you sit in the sanctuary, and maybe you can see this if you're online or out in the parking lot, we do not need three services, right? We can all fit in one service actually, but we're not going to just have one service because we have multiple styles of worship here at John Wesley. So we're going to have two services and until we're 80% full and one, we're not going to start another one. And so that brings us to the 8 a.m. worship service, which technically this is a great way to describe that. Worship with a traditional choir, but we don't have a choir right now. And we're not going to have a choir for a little while. And it's not that we're trying to keep the choir from singing. It's just they don't want to sing right now because they don't feel comfortable. There might be one or two that are ready to go. But that's just not what safety measures tell us. And so we're struggling with that. We understand that. But we're also going to keep that at 9 o'clock. And that's going to hopefully bridge a little bit of the gap between the 8.30 traditionalists and the 11.15 traditional crowd. Okay? And style is essential for us. We're not, we're not going to take away the traditional style at all. Best practices of similar churches that do two different styles, same size, and that are actually uh, hitting home runs, you could say, are te- technically usually they end up having traditional a little sooner in the, the morning. And then that helps them be more successful with the best use of their resources and and stuff like that. So the style is going to be liturgical, formal, all that stuff. Stephen Bayless is leading it with the worship teams. And and the goals have big anthems again and and have instrumentalists and solos and quartets and little, you know, ensemble choirs, all sorts of things. Again, when somebody says, listen, who does the best traditional worship around here? We want them to say John Wesley United Methodist Church does. Okay? Even if you don't like that style of worship, you're going to say, hey, go check out John Wesley. They do it right. They do it awesome. Now, 11.15 a.m. worship, which you're in now, or you might be watching this, is going to be worship with a praise choir. We don't have a choir yet, but this is an idea that I think that we need to have a nod to one of the great strengths we had at John Wesley is is have choirs. And so why not get 10 to 12 people to back up the praise band? You can do so much more with the fullness of voice when you have a choir behind the praise team. And so I look forward, right now it's kind of our united style, and we have a nod to different styles. Well, we're going to continue to build maybe a small praise choir if we can. And we're going to have this sort of nod to traditional, right? But nod to modern. And the style really is going to ultimately remain where it is. And a little bit more to that modern side, it's going to be informal. It's going to seek to unite all generations of worshipers, okay? Not just one and what they like, but multiple generations. And churches that have these practices are more successful, in trying to grow and, and bring in younger families and with children and youth, and, and we need that in our church as well. 
And the church needs that, all around universal needs that. And we believe that having uh, this time is going to do that sort of thing. And, and having this style of worship a little later in the morning helps young families actually get to church with their children. Now, it's going to have modern songs like we do. We're going to have lights. We're going to have images like we do. We're going to have traditional hymns like we do and try to revamp those things at times. We're going to have liturgy. We had that this morning. We're going to have affirmations, call to worships, things like that. And so it, it, it's a different style than what we're used to when it comes to traditional, but it's also a different, little bit different style than modern, but it's basically modern with some tweaks. And so we look forward to that, and, and Lewis and Adrian are going to be running that and their praise band and the choir. And if someone wants to know who does modern the best, I want them to go, hey, go to John Wesley. You've got to check out how they do it over there. And so when you talk about times and styles, a lot of times people say, you're relegating something to second best. And that is not the case. What we're trying to do is we're trying to put our church in the greatest position to be the most effective it can be for all generations. And all members, all ages, all generations are important. Remember, it, everything starts with worship. We talked a couple of weeks ago about that. Everything starts with worship. And so we have got to, to be there reaching into all generations and doing our best to be relevant to them. But Sunday morning schedule, what would that look like? Well, we want to prioritize worship, and we also want to prioritize Sunday classes. So there's going to be this hybrid class option as well on Zoom and in person when we can actually get back to that. But we're probably going to have to adjust our schedule in order for people to come to worship and also do Sunday school here on the building or possibly at home on Zoom. And because right now we have people that like go to Sunday school and then they drive in and they might be late or vice versa. They might go to worship and then drive home and they miss it and, or they have to log in later. So we're going to adjust our times. But 8.30 a.m. when we can get back to coffee and donuts is going to be our connect time. And that's when people can gather in the Welcome Center. And then at 9 o'clock we have our worship with traditional choir. 10.15 to 11.15 we're probably going to bump our classes back a little further, and that gives people transition time, and that's going to be in-person, hybrid, Zoom, those type of things, and that will be at 10.15. That's going to be for adults and kids. And you say, well, Marty, you didn't say youth. I said, no, I didn't say youth, did I? Sunday evenings and Wednesday evenings are going to be for youth, but I want us to think about this. The task, one of our core values, the task is being discipled and making disciples, And the greatest way to make disciples in younger generations is not have them sit and learn, is actually have them do things. And so what they're going to be doing, our youth is going to be doing, is they're going to help actually the JW experience, kids experience happen. That is going to raise another generation of people that are willing to do things and be disciple makers, okay? Does that mean we have youth, don't have youth? In, no, we have it twice a week or more, depending on things. It's just not always going to happen on Sunday morning. Anyway, 11 a.m. is another connect time. Coffee and donuts, 11.30. We're probably going to have to push this service back to 11.30. Now, are you going to beat the Baptists to lunch? No, you're not. Or whatever they used to say, right? Um, you're probably not. Right now, we're not beating them either, okay? It's 12.15, and I haven't even wrapped up my sermon, okay? And we still got an hour left before that happens. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, everybody's checked out. Somebody's already left. 
actually. But anyway, so when is all this going to happen? Hey, when the Spirit leads. We don't really know. We hope to have all this sort of take place before Easter. We need to get to where our Sunday schools have a little travel time and in between, and so worship services. So that's kind of the goal. But what about an XP? We're going to have an announcement about an executive pastor next Sunday afternoon or possibly the Monday following. So there's somebody that I think that you're going to be very excited about who's coming and, and, and you'll get to know him. or you. And then finances. A lot of people talked about well, where's the church on finances, you know. Well, let me tell you something. With our faithful pledgers and our faithful givers, we basically, between contributions received and what we spent as a staff and ministry leaders, it really broke even for the year. And then with a little small business loan, some COVID relief stuff, because we actually missed in our fourth quarter, we missed it by 26% in giving, like what we usually uh, take in. We basically will receive some of those COVID relief funds, and that'll give us a cushion moving into 2021. So we're starting off with a solid year, and we also had a pretty solid year. It wasn't exactly all the contributions we wanted, because when people don't show up to church, as you know, they don't give to the church. Isn't that crazy, right? But we have a huge majority of our church members that give no matter what, and that has been a blessing at John Wesley. Exciting news about a JW app coming out. We'll have live streaming right there at your fingertips. It's going to fix a lot of our technical issues with that. It's going to have a calendar and Bible and things. It's different than our JW Life app, which is more of an online directory right now. Also, today we're going to have a lay leadership team uh, that's meeting. All the lay people who are on teams hopefully will join this Zoom call, and and we're going to adopt the 2021 goals. And and that's something that you just need to know is going to revolve around greater engagement. We need to engage people, right? We need to re-engage people in the local church. People need the local church now more than ever, don't they? So, let me close. Can you imagine a church that is an essential part of everyday life? right, of the people in our neighborhood and our community, because that's just not the case right now. Can you imagine a church with me about where unchurched people can come to get connected with Jesus before they even believe in Jesus? And can you imagine a church where the next generation enthusiastically celebrates what the church accomplished in 2021 when they actually gather in 2071 to celebrate a 100-year anniversary of John Wesley UMC? And can you imagine a church that's a united community of believers that is working 100% for the same purpose and mission? What kind of witness would that be for a divided nation? And then, can you imagine a church where each member and guest has the growth mindset, which sees challenges and changes as, hey, God has given us an opportunity to do something new through us, right? I think we can do that. I think we're up to that call to answer that call. I think that in the midst of answering that call and working towards that together, listen, that's going to glorify God. You want to glorify God? Get around that. Unite in that, in our purpose and our mission, because that's the way. This is the way. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for, for all you've done, all you continue to do. We are 
challenged, Lord, each and every day that sometimes we uh, want to be about our own words, our own agenda. Uh, and, and I just pray in the midst of this time, Lord, that we begin to rally around the call to connect people to Jesus. We continue to figure out how, when we speak, how it affects other people and, and do it for their benefit. Do it to lift them up and, and bring hope into their life. Thank you again for, for being that type of uh, a God that seeks to draw us into a relationship with you in a way that is so life-changing. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In his name I pray. Amen and amen.